Samantha. And you're listening to Reaper Tales. And today we're talking about stampedes. But before we get started, Samantha, what are we drinking? It's Saturday, barely afternoon at this point, only 19 minutes into the afternoon. And so I'm drinking water. Um, <laughs> although after doing the research for the case that I found, I probably should have gotten something stronger. But water it is. How about you? Coffee. It's a uh... It's coffee. We're not going to match for this one. I know. I don't know how yours is, but I know mine's pretty. the The greater part of mine is pretty rough, so I, I yeah, I'm not going to match it with a drink this time. It's so, yeah, pretty pretty bad. I have regrets about saying we should cover this, but you know what? No takesies, backsies at this That's point. Right. Pick your poison, whatever you want to do. I'm sticking with coffee because I don't have enough energy as it is. Obviously not. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of glad I get to go first because I wanted to cover a little bit on like stampedes and like what they are and what they aren't. But what and no, I'm not going to go into great detail like I did on safety regulations. So chill the fuck out, get your drink and let's go. Today, I'm going to tell you about the E2 nightclub stampede. I looked for some like Black Friday ones, didn't like those, didn't like a lot of the language around them, uh, so decided not to. And I went with the, this one. So you basically went off of the original intent, which I'm going to end up going the opposite direction instead of stampedes. Mine is from Black, a Black Friday situation, and there was a somewhat of a stampede, but that's not really the focus of the case. So neither one of us can follow directions. No, no, we can't. Uh, I almost covered uh, just like cattle stampedes because uh, there's a lot of those. That's not really That's not really a shocker. That's uh, that's not what we're here to do. No. We're here to tell you terrible things. Uh, anyways, all of my notes, all of my uh, resources will be in the show notes if you want to check those out. I have too many to cover, and we got a lot to cover. So, before I get started, I want to cover a few things first. It's not statistics, so don't worry. But I wanted to give a little bit of an overview of what a stampede is and what it isn't. In a lot of cases, when we talk about stampedes, we're mostly referencing animal stampedes. But when human stampedes, it's a bit different and they're largely like reported incorrectly. Imagine that. Yeah, I know. A human stampede is an event that can occur in dangerously large or dense crowds of people and can result in a large number of fatalities or other casualties of crowdgoers. Stampedes typically occur when a large group of people all try to get away from a perceived danger. A quote from Edwin Galea, professor of fire safety engineering at the University of Greenwich in England, says, Stampede is not only an incorrect term, it is a loaded word. As it assigns blame to the victims uh, for behaving in an irrational, self-destructive, unthinking, and uncaring manner. is pure ignorance and laziness. It gives the impression that it was a mindless crowd only caring about themselves and they were prepared to crush people. In virtually all these situations, this is not the case, and it is usually the authorities to blame for poor planning, poor design, poor control, poor policing, and mismanagement. The truth is that people are only directly crushed by others who have no choice in the matter, and that the people and 
the people who can choose don't know what is going on because they're too far away from the epicenter of the event. I think that's important to remember when discussing these cases, especially when we are pulling information from news reports. The amount of like gross headlines that I saw while looking for an event to cover about stampedes, uh, just, it was outrageous. I literally saw one that said, quote, only two killed this year in Black Friday stampedes. Like, who approved that headline? It's gross. Click Clickbait. Yeah. It's just getting you to read the article. Hey, let's minimize this terrible event by saying, you know what? Only two people died. I mean, and the thing is, it doesn't even just, it's not even that only, quote unquote, only two people died. Those two people lost their lives, which means their families are affected. But the people that were involved in the deaths are also having to deal with that. And in some cases, that could be dozens, if not a hundred or more people. Yeah. Like you said, they don't necessarily have a lot of control over that situation, but they're still going to blame themselves. Yeah. Like only two died is not the right headline. And it would be, it should be two people died and hundreds negatively impacted by Black Friday deals yet again. Yeah. Yet again. And it's just, it's so, it's so crazy to me because like we grew up, like my case is not about Black Friday, like we said, but we grew up like expecting Black Friday. Like it was always something about Black Friday that, you know, you got done with Thanksgiving dinner and then you'd go and wait outside of a store in the cold for hours lined up waiting to get into them to get these deals. They knew the safety implications of what they were doing and they continued to do it anyway. You look at people now like the younger generations now, they don't have that like generational trauma surrounding Black Friday because Black Friday can all be done online. You're not queuing up outside of stores waiting to get trampled, like risking your own life to get a TV for $50. Like you're not doing that anymore. I I cannot. I, I think I've gone to a store on Black Friday maybe twice. And one of those was because I completely forgot that it was Black Friday. Because I avoid them like the plague on that day. I don't go any – I try to stay at home if at all possible. Yeah. It, it's just the the whole idea around Black Friday is uh, just kind of gross in and of itself. If you could mark these down to a reasonable price anyway, we wouldn't need to do this. I've seen a lot of jokes out this year about how about we lower um, housing costs or um, lower the price on groceries, please, because that is actually something that I need. I have a big screen TV. I don't need another one. How about let's make other things more affordable that we actually need? Yeah. And it's funny, but also true. Like yeah. in an inflationary environment like we've been dealing with. Yeah. Let's let's lower the prices of some things that are actually useful for a change. Yeah. On to the E2 nightclub stampede. The E2 nightclub was above the Epitome restaurant at 2347 South Michigan Avenue in South Loop neighborhood of Chicago, Illinois. The morning of February 17th, 2003 at 2:28 a.m. was described as something happened and it was described as a quote brawl that broke out inside the nightclub. Where over a thousand, in some articles it said over a thousand people, in others it said 1,500, around 1,500 people were. And it should be noted that the nightclub's capacity was designed to only hold 240 people. 
Thank you. Cause I was going to ask that. I was thinking a nightclub with a thousand or more people in it. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be a great example of what our uh, professor said earlier. What happens next? I couldn't get details of the fight. Uh, some reports said 15 people were brawling while others just stated a fight had broken out. In any case, the way security handled the fight was what led to what happens next. In order to try and break up the fight, security decided to use pepper spray. I saw this incident, actually, mm. um, but I wasn't going to cover one out of the state. But I saw very, very brief of that, that yeah. exact thing about the pepper spray. An enclosed environment with that many people around, seriously, that was that was what you thought was the best yeah. option in this situation? Like, did you think about it at all? And that's, yeah, that's literally what, which if, you, that's what I said, which if you, if you're spraying into a crowd of already agitated people, uh, it isn't going to turn out well, like indiscriminately, like how do you make sure that pepper spray gets to the people that you want it to get to in the first place? You're spraying into a crowd of people. Like, I forget how big that radius is. Maybe Kelsey can look it up. But the the affected radius when you spray pepper spray is not small. It, it's not just who actually gets sprayed with the spray. It's going further out than that because that smell or fumes or whatever are going to affect a lot of different yeah. people outside of just the person you're spraying. So even if they were spraying the specific people... It's still impacting like hundreds, apparently, if there's a thousand people or more in this place. It's affecting hundreds of other people. It says pepper spray typically has a range of about 10 feet. Okay. Yeah. See? I mean, that's a big... And if you're in a in a nightclub... That's huge. ...with the capacity for only 250 people, you're, you're spraying a lot of people. It's got 1,500 people in there. Um, yeah. A lot of people that had nothing to do with it and maybe even some that didn't even know what was going yeah, on. Yeah, and they didn't. Witnesses could hear shouts... Of that the incident was a terror terrorist attack because you got to remember this was like only a couple of years after the 9-11 incident some of them told cnn that people shouted quote poison gas unquote lakeisha blackwell 20 heard someone say quote i bet it's bin laden unquote well i mean and most of us have never dealt with that situation so we have no idea what pepper spray smells like looks like feels like so that makes perfect sense that they would react that way because that's probably how i would react when anytime that i've gone to like a march or a protest or anything like that we always carry milk because you're probably there's a high likelihood that you're gonna get pepper sprayed but thankfully i've never been pepper sprayed knock on wood but yeah i mean normally people don't have an experience with that like we're getting more experience with it because a lot of us are you know advocating and things like that and you will but back then no you weren't getting pepper sprayed like it wasn't like a common occurrence i I couldn't imagine some of the some of the patrons experienced vomiting and fainting yeah which you would you're not expecting that maybe you've been drinking i'm sure it's hot as hell in there 1500 people no ventilation, no ventilation, I'm sure. And people began rushing for the exits. And with the club being more than quadruple the capacity, it created a stampede slash crushing event. The exit slash entrance for the nightclub was a stairwell. Because again, it's above a restaurant. It's a narrow, steep stairwell leading to the outside. And it quickly became jammed. Quote, you cannot pull these people apart. They were so... in intertwined and stuck together recalled ken herslich video journalist who covered the tragedy 
It was up there with the top five of the most horrific things I've ever dealt with, unquote. In another article I read, it said that the bodies were piled up at the bottom of the stairwell and it had grown to over six feet as unknowing patrons at the top kept pushing more people on top of the growing pile as they laughed because they didn't know. Like they literally didn't know that they were crushing people. You have a bunch of like young adults, you know, they're panicking, they're trying to get out and half of them are probably drunk and they think it's a laugh. It's a lark, but they don't realize the harm that is happening. 21 patrons, 12 women and nine men between the ages of 19 and 43 died from compressional asphyxiation and more than 50 others were injured. Here's the thing. I quite like the quote from Edwin Galea because it feels so fitting for this incident. News was quick to report on the laughter of the patrons pushing others onto the growing pile, but it wasn't their fault. There is some who are to blame for it, though. In many cases, it is poor management, preparation, and crowd controlling. There's no reason for that many people to be in that building. That should have been controlled, number one. Dwayne Kyles and Calvin Hollins, the owners of the nightclub, were guilty of 11 building code violations, including overcrowding and faulty exit lighting. Police were called to the location 80 times during the two years prior to the stampede. Good grief. This was just a ticking time bomb. And they knowingly did it. For money. There's a reason why there's safety codes in place and that you need to follow them for events exactly like this. Like everything's been put in place to ensure that you make sure you're company, whatever it is that you're doing, is safe. And and it's their responsibility to create a safe environment for their yeah. patrons. That is their job. That's why we're paying you. That's why you get to make money when I come over there, because I'm assuming that I'm going to be yeah. safe within your establishment. Facts. All facts. But they knowingly ignored it. In some reports, I saw that the other exits for the club were blocked by laundry bags or were even chained, chained clothes. So it's a bottleneck. I mean, they created a bottleneck. No other yeah. way to put it. Even where some reports said that that wasn't the case, you know, many others did say that that was the case. But if you have a bunch of people who are coming into a building like that and their entrance was that area, that's where they're going to go when they try to exit. They're not going to look for a different exit. That's where everybody's going to go. Which is why you're supposed to have them well lit and you're supposed to have a very obvious exit sign for any alternate exits that are Mm -hmm. available. And you're always supposed to have, if I'm not, I might be incorrect, but I feel like for a business, I think they're supposed to have at least two exits. Yeah, you're supposed to have at least two exits out of. So that way you have options to be able to disperse clients in an emergency situation. And I actually think it's more exits if you don't have windows. I can't remember. I mean, I think in a house, for a house to have a room that is considered a bedroom, it's obligated that you have to be able to leave in two different ways. A window that is reachable and a door. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, Kilted's got something for us. Yeah, I found something. Um, It says, normally a workplace must have at least two exit routes to permit... Uh, prompt evacuation of employees and other building occupants during an emergency. More than two exits are required, however, if the number of employees, size of the building, or arrangement of the workplace will not allow employees to evacuate safely. Exit routes must be located as far away as practical from each other in case one is blocked by fire or smoke. And that's from um, OSHA. Okay, that's what I thought. 
there was also an, another issue with this situation. And that was that the door leading out of the stairwell opened inward. I knew that was coming. Not outward, which is another violation. Yeah, that's another violation for this very reason. Yeah. Normally, those doors are left open when the nightclub is in operation. But after the fight was broken up, the fighters were ejected from the nightclub. And whoever ejected them from the nightclub shut the doors. So when people stampeded down this stairwell. Literally couldn't get out because they were blocking the door because it couldn't open in. It was it was one thing right after another in this situation. And all of it could have been avoided had they just listened and fixed those violations that they had been caught on. Had they just done what they were supposed to do and knew that they were supposed yeah. to do it. Kyle's and Holland's had been ordered to shut down the second floor club in 2002, the year previous. Their attorneys claimed that the court order related only to a raised VIP section of the club not the entire second floor of the building. City inspectors then believed the facility's only business thereafter came from the ground floor Epitome Chicago restaurant, which the club attorneys said was false as police officers both on and off duty regularly handled the persistently large crowds and club advertisements were common on radio and the internet. So they're basically saying, we weren't told to shut down. Not really. <laughs> You know, you you didn't force us to shut down and lock the doors and refuse to allow us to reenter our building. So we assumed we could stay pretty open. much during the January 2007 trial. The prosecution claimed the club's security staff were not properly trained. They're trying they're now trying to put the blame on the security guards, even even though if their security guards aren't properly trained, it's still their fault for employing them. Yeah. And not training them. Yeah. Last time I checked. Your employees, their training is directly related to your responsibility. Yeah. Why would it be their responsibility to train themselves in their job with your establishment? That doesn't even make sense. Security guard Samuel Bone testified to using pepper spray to disband a group of 15 brawling clubbers. He said he was indeed trained in the proper use of pepper spray by the nonprofit Illinois Police Reserve Patrol. Yeah, I'm trained. I know how to use it. I don't know that you should be using it inside of a. Is he trained in the proper? It's not the proper use. It's the proper situation yeah. to be using. Yeah, I think that's more of the concern. Not that you know how to use it. It's it's pushing a button. I think we all can figure yeah. that part out. Make sure it's pointing away from you. I think that's about On it. On November 25th, 2009, Kyle's and Holland's were acquitted of involuntary manslaughter charges, but were found guilty of indirect criminal contempt for violating the court order to close the entire second floor of the club and were sentenced to two years probation. Gross. Especially with a death toll like that, you are directly responsible for those deaths. How can you be found guilty of doing those things, but then not also be guilty for manslaughter? Because it was your neglect that caused those deaths, which last time I checked is the definition of mm -hmm. manslaughter. Yeah. E2 and Epitome both permanently closed after the incident. On November 16, 2011, the ruling was overturned when a judge ruled that the court order to close the second floor was ambiguous. On April 4, 2013, the Illinois Supreme Court unanimously overturned the 2011 ruling and upheld the 2009 conviction of criminal contempt 
calling the court order, quote, certain, clear, and concise, unquote. Wow, that's two completely different rulings. <laughs> like, well, it's kind of ambiguous. Actually, no, it was completely clear and you violated yeah, it. Pretty much. So they're still trying to get out of it. You know, in the end, I don't think that they got the punishment that they needed. It was just, you know, the, not great. A slap on the wrist. So that's the E2 nightclub stampede. Well, uh, that was awful, but also what kind of what I expected. And uh, not fair at all. They definitely got away with yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a story for you. And it's it has some stampede in it, unfortunately. Um, but that's not the, the main thing. But I am going to bore um, our people with some statistics because I looked them up. So I get to say them and it doesn't matter. I did want to open it up, though, because it's always been crazy to me that the very next day after the day we're supposed to focus on being thankful for what we have and being and focusing on gratitude that the very next day we are focused on getting all we can for as little as possible yes and if it means that we're doing it and taking something away from somebody else oh well it's like the exact opposite of what we're supposed to be focusing on the very day before that which is just mind-blowing to me it always has been and i say we i don't actually mean us because i know I know for me myself, and I know how Montana is, and I'm, I know Kelsey's the way this way too. I know we don't feel that way, and I'm willing to bet n- neither of you ever like rush to do Black Friday shopping. Um, like I said before, I try to stay home. I might online shop a little bit if there's something I'm specifically looking for, or if I'm trying to buy Christmas gifts and they happen to be on sale, I'll go ahead and buy them. But I'm not about to go into those crowds and fight for stuff. It's just not worth it to me. I'm normally trying to recover from eating my entire body weight in food. Not going to catch this girl out. I recover from, from family gatherings in general. That takes a couple days at least. That being said, Black Friday is one of the most dangerous days of the entire year and is known for the shopping stampede that tends to happen every single year. An estimated 114.6 million Americans alone participate annually in Black Friday, one way or another. Yikes. Because nothing brings Americans together like consumerism. That's so true. Injuries are common, obviously, and there have been many people killed around the nation throughout the years. But thankfully, it's not typically the case that there are deaths. Actually, a website called BlackFridayDeathCount.com where they're keeping track of the deaths and injuries that occur on Black Friday. And as of this year, or last year, I guess, since 2006, there have been 17 total deaths and 125 injuries reported worldwide. Of the 17 deaths, I think 14 are in the U.S. 14 or 13 or 14. Uh, Doing the Lord's work. Yeah, that's that's what we do. Of course, I'm sure there are a lot of of other incidents that just go unreported because that's just how it works but that's what they have kept up with the majority of the incidents occur inside retail stores with about 20 percent of them happening at the store entrance as the crowds are initially entering the building after impatiently waiting outside for who knows how long 11 percent of the injuries and or deaths occur outside of the store in the parking lots or on the road and they attribute the road deaths because people are falling asleep at the wheel after being up all night the night before and then shopping during the day so 
just tired and falling asleep at the oh at the wheel. And if you want a real fun statistic, 70% of the incidents reported on Black Friday happened at everybody's favorite store. Walmart. Walmart. Figured. Which is yet another reason why I avoid Walmart like the plague. If I can avoid ever going there, I will. I, I would much rather spend twice as much money and shop anywhere else. <laughs> but that's just me personally. Same. Walmart is kind of a plague on society. I said what I said. Come for me, Walmart. They're not. (laughs) They they make plenty of money, obviously. So I do have a couple of cases. I'm going to cover one, but it's like a paragraph. The major case is the second case that occurred in 2018. But I thought this was kind of funny. According to an injury law office's website, quote, not all Black Friday sales are equally dangerous for shoppers. A 2015 survey found that Arkansas, Alabama, and Tennessee shoppers are the most violent on Black Friday. That's not surprising. And the data came from a a real estate website called Eastly, which compiled FBI crime reports and Facebook mentions of Black Friday. Other states that are relatively more dangerous on Black Friday, according to that same methodology, are Louisiana, Mississippi, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Indiana, Kansas, and South Carolina, end quote. So what I thought was interesting is that North Carolina wasn't mentioned. But when I looked at the data, North Carolina is actually routinely cited for having the heaviest Black Friday traffic in the country. Mm -hmm. But they're not the state that has a lot of injuries, which is interesting. Well, uh, you know. How about that? (laughs) Maybe you guys are doing something quote unquote right because you've got the heaviest traffic, but you don't really have the incidents to back it up. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe. Or it could just be people like passing through to get home after the holiday or what have you. True. I'm not really, like I said, I'm not surprised that Alabama, Arkansas, all of them are uh, among the top most dangerous uh, because the only thing I can think of growing up in Alabama, the amount of like alcohol that circulated during Thanksgiving. And then you're going to have those people waiting outside of stores, Mm -hmm. either hungover or still like drunk. (laughs) Wonder more they met that. Who knows? I mean, they're in a, a line, so it's very, very likely that they are consuming while on the property. Oh, yeah. It's not like people are watching that line to see. In 2017, a fight broke out between two women just 20 minutes before closing time at the River Chase Galleria on Black Friday. And uh, for those of you who don't know, the River Chase Galleria, which is around 2.4 million square feet. Includes a, which includes a Hyatt Regency and Galleria Towers of Business Offices, is the biggest indoor mall in Alabama, and it's the 43rd in the United States. Yeah, it's really gone downhill in the past 10 years, though. Yes, it has. <laughs> Around here, we just call it the Galleria, and it's located in Hoover. When I was growing up, it was the place your parents dropped you off to hang out with your friends and just walk around for hours, and the food court had the best Chinese food oh, like, truly. ever. Of course, now I avoid the place, so... Like you said, it's it's gone downhill. I think I'm I maybe went there two or three years ago for some reason, and it's definitely not the same. Well, malls are just dead now, anyway. Like, yeah. I mean, everybody online shops. Yeah, kids aren't going to hang. Like when we grew up, we went and hung out at malls. Like that that was where we hung out. You had a food court. Anybody could get whatever they wanted. You could flirt with your like classmates, whatever. Kids don't do that anymore. Uh, they just go on Facetime or TikTok or something, which great. Mm-hmm in situations like what we're talking about that's definitely not a bad thing less people means less opportunity for injuries truly 
Um, there's actually footage you can watch of the two women throwing punches while the police and security officers from the mall are trying to step in and get between them and stop them. Wow. The general manager said it seemed as though the fight was more personal in nature than anything to do with Black Friday deals. But come on, seriously. These people had a personal vendetta against each other and decided to pitch a fit and a fight in the mall on Black Friday. You're just trying to make yourself look better <laughs> by saying it had nothing to do with the deals going on in your store. But that's fine. I mean, that is wow. I kind of want to see this video. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to send it to you. Um, but yeah, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, apparently, the police were even called around an hour later because the reports of there were reports of gunshots outside of the mall. But when they arrived they were unable to find any evidence or anyone there that any weapons had been discharged so it was not ever really officially confirmed yeah. that there were any gunshots after but uh that's another thing too about the gallery and one reason why it has started going downhill is that there have been reports of gun violence in the parking decks um in the recent years and i actually have a friend that used to go there and she she doesn't feel comfortable doing it anymore because of the reports that have come back. And there's been people that died from gunshot wounds in the parking deck. So it's like, we're just not going to. Well, it's that's not like, it's not, you know, isolated to uh, the Galleria or whatever. Because no. the malls. It's a public place. Yeah. There have been several, like, shooting incidents at the malls around here. Well, I mean, and you have these parking decks, which are huge. And it, they're not as busy as they used to be so it's very isolated if you're going walking to your car or you know i mean it's dangerous it is what it is like it's just not worth it mm. for me personally i just can't see myself doing it anymore so now we're going to cover the case that i'm going to spend the most time on and you're going to have some stuff to say in 2018 on black friday at 9:52 p.m an attack took place at the galleria that left one person dead and two people injured it started as a fight between two people, and while I couldn't find the official cause, and I say heavy quotations because there is no actual cause or justification for this, but I couldn't find like what started the argument. There was one article I found that said that one person like hit the other person, and that's what started it, but as far as why, I couldn't find anything like what caused them to do that. Mm -hmm. If I had to guess, it's Black Friday at the Galleria. It was about a deal or something like they had gotten the last pair of shoes or something and they got mad. Yeah. One man pulled a gun out and shot an 18 year old named Brian Wilson twice in the torso. What? The other person who was injured was a 12 year old girl named Molly Davis and she was struck in the back by gunfire as well. And all reports that I saw said it was close to her spine, but narrowly avoided it. What the fuck? She was taken to the hospital and described as in stable condition and ended up recovering. The 18-year-old was in critical condition and he did survive. But one of the gunshots actually was to the stomach. So obviously he had quite some time to recover, I'm sure. Yikes. There was also a 70-year-old woman that was injured while trying to flee the scene. She suffered multiple hip fractures as well as internal bleeding and bleeding of the brain. She ended up being airlifted to Mobile where she was stabilized and started her very long recovery. Well, who let their grandma go to the mall on Black Friday? <laughs> who let her? Come on now. It's a 70-year-old woman in Alabama. There ain't no letting. She's going to do what she's going to do. That's true. Eight other people were treated by Hoover paramedics for injuries, and six of the eight ended up being transported to local hospitals for further treatment. 
According to FoxNews.com, Lexi Joyner, who was at the mall at the time of the shooting, told the newspaper that she heard six gunshots and was ordered into a supply closet for cover with other shoppers. I feel for this girl. This was my first Black Friday. I knew it would be crazy, just not this crazy, she said. Bless her. <laughs> I bet it was her first and last. Yeah. I had to guess. I, w- I wouldn't be going back. So I've, I've talked about the two injured, not the person who died. Mm-hmm. So to make matters worse... In the chaos, the police that responded to the incident opened fire on a man that they saw who had a gun in his hand, believing him to be the shooter, and killed him. What? That man was identified as 21-year-old Emantic Fitzgerald Bradford. What? Later, authorities said he may have been involved in some aspect of the altercation, but evidence showed that he was not likely the gunman. So the police were still looking for the shooter at that time. What? It was later revealed that Bradford was friends with Brian Wilson, the 18-year-old that was in critical condition. In an AL.com article, it was also revealed that the officer who shot and killed Bradford was not on duty and was actually working as a mall security officer that day. What the fuck? Why did he have his weapon? I don't think mall security are supposed to have guns. I don't think they are either. In a different article on CBS42.com, that officer was finally identified in 2020, so two years later, as Officer David Alexander. According to a complaint that Bradford's family filed, obviously, for a wrongful death suit, quote, upon observing EJ, which is Bradford, a young black male with a handgun moving toward the victim and a second person who was already helping the victim, Alexander fired four bullets at EJ with specific intent of killing him, the complaint stated. Prior to Alexander firing his handgun, in violation of standard police procedure and training, Alexander did not issue any verbal warnings or commands to EJ. Verify that EJ actually presented as a physical threat to anyone, and after he fired each bullet, he did not stop to reassess the threat level before firing the next bullet. End quote. You can't do that. You You have to announce yourself as a police officer. You have to tell them to drop their weapon. You have to give them their... Obviously, there's a reason why. Well, now that's their claim in the complaint. I have to say that. But there were videos that were compiled and reviewed when the officer was under review by the police department. Okay. Also, um, I looked up if security guards are allowed to carry guns, and they are in some cases. It's just they have to go through more rigorous training. So if this guy was a police officer as well, I would imagine that he would be given the okay to carry a gun. Yeah. I just don't see why it would be necessary. I really don't. Yeah. And it it gets kind of like ambiguous and kind of like fuzzy when you're talking, was it his police issued weapon? Did he have it on him when he was not on duty? Did he discharge that weapon while not on duty? I know that's kind of like, you know, splitting hairs or whatever, but at the end of the day, that has to be a part of the investigation. That the police department should have done. Those are all very reasonable questions. Yeah. I will tell you there's not a lot of information as far as how the investigation went. And I'm sure you're surprised by that. No, I'm never surprised by it. Because anytime a police officer does anything that's wrong like this, instead of them getting punished for it, a lot of the times they just get promoted so that they're out of people's hair or they get transferred somewhere else. Vaguely blanket statement. But yeah, I get where you're coming from. It's frustrating to me because he obviously did something wrong in this situation. Oh, just wait. So after the initial state, it it gets better. After the initial statement by police that heralded Alexander as a hero. Fuck that dude. And taking care of the gunman that was responsible for the injuries. 
it was released that he was legally permitted to carry the weapon that he was carrying, and he pulled it out in response to the gunfire. Bradford's father said his son was a 21-year-old Army veteran. (gasps) He had joined the Army in 2017 and was on leave before going to... There's a level of, of basic training, and he was on leave before going back to do the the more heavy training that he was going to go into. Yeah, when this happened. Well, so he not only he didn't just kill like just a person; he killed oh my god, someone in the military who was legally permitted to carry a weapon and had probably been adequately trained since he was in the army. Yeah, so probably better trained than the police officer, if I had to guess. Oh, uh, for sure, one hundred percent. And he was responding to a threat to his friend, which is what he's trained to do. His friend got shot twice. It makes perfect sense that he would have pulled a gun as he is trained to defend his friend who he was with when he got shot. Yeah. The police's response suggested Bradford shouldn't have pulled his gun out. And just to clarify, the officer who murdered, and I say murdered very clearly, murdered Bradford, did not face charges as the ruling was that the officer didn't do anything wrong. The ruling was that Bradford was a threat and that he discharged his weapon to answer the threat. He discharged his weapon without confirming that he was the shooter. He discharged his weapon. Or that he was even a danger. And he discharged his weapon while off duty. So I'm going to say, as a like, let's play devil's advocate. They're not 100% incorrect in the fact that he should not have had his weapon drawn if police were there and identified themselves appropriately. He definitely should have dropped his weapon. Just in general, because the pol- in this situation... It's absolute chaos. People are running everywhere. There are people that are injured. They don't know who is a suspect and who isn't. They weren't there when the gunshots went off. So they're responding to a situation and they're going to be looking for somebody with a gun drawn. So devil's advocate, I get that. I really do. That being said, you're responsible for ascertaining whether the situation is currently what you think it is. It's your job to identify yourself and to give instructions to the person who's currently holding a deadly weapon. Yeah. It's Alabama, for goodness sakes. Everybody's got a gun. And if if they feel threatened, they're going to have the gun pulled. If you're going to shoot everybody that possibly has a gun or might have it drawn in a situation where they feel threatened, everybody's going to die. Oh, yeah, in Alabama, for sure. Like we've said, obviously, he, the Bradford was trained. And he's, his friend is lying on the ground with two gunshot wounds. It makes perfect sense that he would have his gun, gun drawn either to protect himself or if he saw who did it, he might have been going after him to make sure that he didn't shoot anybody else. In any case, um, he doesn't know that this security guard is an off-duty Which police I officer. Which I haven't even gotten to yet. Exactly. Did he identify himself? Did he even give him any instructions? Because I get that the hi- there's heightened alarm and all of that. We've already gone through that. From what I read, the officer shot Bradford almost immediately. Not giving him an opportunity to drop the weapon or explain himself. And they shot him in the back, according to an independent <gasps> autopsy. Meaning he was not approaching them armed, so they couldn't claim that he was threatening them because if they shot him in the back, then he wasn't coming at them. Which also makes me think, because he he did have his back turned, they hadn't said anything to him. Because your automatic response, if you hear a a order, you're going to turn around. Yeah. 
And so if he was still facing the other way, that makes me think that he may not have even known they were behind him, let alone that they indicated that there was that he needed to drop his weapon or asking him what was going on. Yeah, uh, 100%. Somebody yells at you, uh, you turn around. Like, that's the first thing that you do. What the fuck? In the back. In the back. Three shots in the back. In the back. It was like neck, back, and then lower back, I think. And it's it's so much worse because, like, he wasn't an immediate threat. No. He was not an immediate threat to this off-duty police off-duty police officer there were reports that what was going on um because they had videos that they reviewed basically bradford was with wilson and he walked away from the scene to get space from him and where the gunshots had happened so that he could draw his weapon and chamber around and then walked back and started walking towards jc penny because the person who had shot wilson went that way with two of his friends so he was going towards the actual gunman to make sure that he was taken care of. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that he'd have a gun drawn because he already knows that this guy has a gun. Yeah. And there were apparently two officers and the other officer didn't discharge his weapon. Of course not. But this one did. So understandably, there were protests the weekend after the incident because the family knew that he wasn't a threat and he wasn't guilty. But the initial thing that they said was that he was the gunman and that the officer was a hero yeah they lauded this dude as a hero when he cowardly shot somebody three times in the bag yeah this was yet another situation that a person of color was killed in a situation that should have been handled better by those who who should have been trained and held to a higher set of standards in these very situations that's literally their job yes After going down a few rabbit holes, because it was really hard to find some information, because whenever a situation like this happens, they don't really talk about it a whole lot afterwards. Um, I was finally able to get more information about the incident and what's happened since. They found the man responsible eventually, and he was arrested later by U.S. Marshals, Aaron Brown. On November 24th, 2022, nearly four years after he was arrested, Brown pled guilty to two counts of first-degree assault and was sentenced to three years in prison with five years of supervised probation. Every article that I read pissed me off more and more because the ones that I could find talking about what he was guilty of, Brown, who was a gunman in a situation where two were injured and one was killed, da-da-da-da-da. He had nothing to do with the person who was killed. And to be clear, he wasn't facing charges for that either. But every article read like that. So what are you supposed to think in that situation? That he's the one that's responsible for the death as well. Yeah. Shouldn't have even been mentioned in the article, in my opinion. Because he was he was guilty of shooting two people and causing injury. But he wasn't responsible for that death. You know why they did it. You know why they did it. Again, the police officer was not charged with anything. Um, I have no idea if he's still a police officer. I'm sure he is. I couldn't find anything as far as that was concerned, nor could I find anything about the lawsuit, the wrongful death lawsuit that might have, that was probably settled um, in a very hush hush manner. Maybe they, if it was settled, they would say something. I didn't see anything. I I, kind of ran out of time too. So it, I probably could have dug deeper, but I was just so overwhelmed with this case. And I was like, Oh, Montana, (laughs) I have something to say, but I mean, when I uncovered this case and I was like, it doesn't really technically fall into the theme, but it does. Um, And I didn't want to not cover it. 
because it's important and it's a case that should be heard about. Yeah, I agree. I just hate that police officers in like that don't get punished. They don't get held accountable for what they've done because he took somebody's life. Like he murdered somebody, a person. And he wasn't even on duty. And he wasn't on duty. Wasn't on duty. I know I keep saying that, but that's so important to remember because he was working in a different job. Different capacity. That was not a different capacity where he was not a police officer. He didn't announce himself, allegedly. And then he shot somebody execution style in the back. Now, there was like one report of one witness that said that he said, drop your weapon, drop your weapon. He's not doing anything. But like I said, if that was the case, I feel like Bradford would have turned around if he had heard him. Yeah. And he didn't, obviously. But it's interesting that an independent autopsy found those results, which tells me that the regular autopsy that was released did not show that. Yeah. Crazy, because I think it would be rather cut and dry. You'd be able to tell one way or the other. Uh, it stinks of cover-up. It does. But, you know, that's my opinion. Um, allegedly. Uninformed, <laughs> allegedly. Don't sue me. I don't have money. <laughs> Joke's on you. <laughs> be a Joke's time. on you. I'm broke. <laughs> well, that's terrible. Good job. Sorry. We, we, need, to do, we need to do better. We do. And we need to not pretend that these situations don't happen. No, and we need to hold the media accountable for their actions and their roles played in re- misreporting, intentionally misreporting mm-hmm. these situations. Uh, not cool. Nope. Not cool. Happy Black Friday, y'all, because this is going to be released on Black Friday. We did it. Good luck. I hope you guys are safe. And yeah, stay home. By all means, eat leftovers and stay home. Watch some football. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're in Alabama, um, stop, please stop carrying guns everywhere. You guys don't need it. Um, you're fine. It's okay. Didn't want to leave you on that bad note. I I couldn't I couldn't not do this. There's another stampede I need to tell you about. It's it's the whole reason like I couldn't cover a stampede in North Carolina. Uh, just to let you know. If you ever find yourself searching for, quote, stampede in North Carolina, uh, you're unlikely to find anything about a tragic stampede, but you will find several results for it. And that is because in good old downtown Williamston, North Carolina, a lively annual street festival is held called Carolina Country Stampede. Oh, my gosh. That has to be one of the most country things I've ever heard. Full of fun and excitement at every age. There's great music, children's entertainment, arts and crafts, food and more. Downtown Williamston will host the 27th Annual Carolina Country Stampede on September 29th and 30th. Did you practice that accent or did you just pull it out that you've been, you know, that accent you've been hiding it? I practiced it earlier. So Mm -hmm. I really (laughs) wanted to nail it. I think I did. I think I did. I think you did. Before we go to our exit thing, uh, we have our 100th episode coming up. We do. We're going to do some some special stuff on that episode. Uh, I hear something that uh, there might be a Bigfoot or two to talk Possibly. about. Maybe. Maybe. Potentially. But another thing that we wanted to do was to give our listeners an opportunity to ask us anything. 
we are going to do a Q&A recording uh, with your questions and we will answer them uh, as long as it's not anything super inappropriate. Honestly, Montana, you might answer it anyway, but probably depending uh, on what it is. My, if anyone wants to know, my sexy outfit to really get my, my husband going is a, the Mr. Potato Head costume. I knew you were going to say that. It is. <laughs> and it really gets the job done. So yeah, uh, email us uh, or message us on Facebook to submit your questions. We will we'll compile them all together and go through them. So ask away. Yeah. You can also, you know, email us, whatever, but um, Facebook and Instagram at Reaper Tales Podcast, you can message us or you can comment on one of our posts. Either way works for us. Yeah. So do that or don't. Uh, up to you. But uh, we prefer I mean, if you did. We might just ask each other questions that are random. Maybe. If nobody gives us any. I'm really good at, at coming up with random questions. So. It's true. Uh, you know, whatever. Well, if they're going to email us, where should they email us at? Uh, ReaperGals at ReaperTales.com. Hi. It's me who answers. Yeah. So like, rate, review, subscribe. We didn't get a written review, so I'm going to open it up again. If you guys want like extra bonus points and a shout out. Yeah. Give us a worded review. I don't. I don't. We really appreciate it. But Samantha looks at him. She read a really nice one today. I I didn't. I I didn't know that that was uh, that was left like. I believe it was Kara. Um, so thank you guys for that. I'll give you a shout out anyway, cause I didn't see it until today. So you get a shout out anyway, but yeah, nice reviews are appreciated. It makes us feel like we're actually doing something worthwhile, which is kind of a nice feeling. Truly. Um, anyways, thanks to Kelsey for editing the podcast and doing everything that she does, uh, making it seem more professional. Yeah. She does a way better job at editing than I could ever do. We appreciate her. Greatly appreciated. Yeah. Thanks, guys. You're so sweet. Hey, you know. Hey, we tried to not talk over each other this time. Yeah, we really tried. So you're welcome. <laughs> you did a much you did a much better job. Hey. hey. <laughs> See, I can I I'm learnable, teachable, uh whatever that Something word like is. That. Uh anyways, until next time, we love you, we mean it. Goodbye. Learn.